Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Malkiri and riders of the Golden Crane, riding off to Tarwin's Gap for the last battle. This is Steven, your host from Phantology, with Jake, our Wheel of Time expert, and Caden, our first-time Wheel of Time reader. And we are reviewing Towers of Midnight, so we're getting real close to the end of Caden's first read, and you will then be our expert. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but I am excited to finish. Been a long time coming, like two and a half years. Is it really two and a half years since you started? It's been at least two. Um, I've been quite a two and a half. But... And your self-control is very admirable. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this last book, I've already died pretty far into uh, uh, Memory of Light, so I couldn't wait for it. Yeah, we're going to have to have you withhold any, uh, any, any, any observations or hot takes or anything from A Memory of Light because uh, we're full spoilers through the first 13, but on the off chance that you are reading along with us, we don't want to spoil that last book for you. Okay, so uh, I say we just get started because there's a lot in this book. And uh, I, I think we just need to start getting into it. So just one character at a time, I'm thinking, is probably the best outline for this book. Because almost every major character gets like has significant things happen to them. So uh, in my notes, I put down Rand first. Or should we start with Rand? Like, I mean, he is the Dragon Reborn, as we know from the TV. And he is now Zenrand. We get to see <laughs> Zenrand in action finally. So, what was your uh, what was your impression of that, Caden? Like a huge character shift, obviously, and uh, like everything, all the problems that have plagued him previously. Not all of the problems, but you know, he's been able to really, really turn the page on a lot of struggles. From yeah. So in the last episode, I was kind of a hater on the whole end of you know on top of dragon mount scene i guess i wasn't a hater i shouldn't say that but i wasn't as impressed as jake I think. you were underwhelmed or I was, maybe uh, yeah just regularly whelmed yeah he was yeah. <laughs> i was whelmed <laughs> um but i loved the scene where he goes in I and mean, this is in the epilogue or sorry prologue um yeah. where he goes in right and meets with the Gwen. that was like way more impactful to me than the dragon i was like this is sweet this is like so the, I've been waiting are you talking about the apples for. scene or the Egwene, the Egwene scene? scene. Okay. The Egwene meeting scene is the one that I, I really liked. What I really liked about that is, I mean, at the end of the last book, he, he has obviously his like realization and becomes Zinrand, as they say. And you and it seems like when he's like walking through the orchard in the beginning and like making the apples blossom, you're like, man, he's just like this like force of good now and i liked how they were still contention with him like he was still a human being you know he thought uh -huh. this plan was the best plan she hated that plan and like there were still bits of him from like pre-leaving the two rivers um characterization there like he was still that same person just with so much growth later on and he still has the the taint the madness right and nynaeve tries to heal him of the madness and can't 
So maybe I shouldn't say all of his problems are behind him. He's still, yeah, like you say, Jake, he's still got that humor. What did you think about that, Kaden? The Nynaeve not being able to heal him? Yeah, I mean, I still think Rand's going to die in the next book. So I guess I'm not super surprised um, that that she couldn't. Uh, and I also think, I, I like that Rand, like, he's kind of, he's finally like, grown into his power, right? This is the hero you want for the book, but at the same time, it keeps him not overpowered, right? It's been a while since I've read this one, but I feel like I, I didn't take it as, like, real madness in the way it was before because like the main manifestation of his madness was loose there and talking in his head and now like he's not him and loose there and he is just the dragon like the dragon you know all aspects of it and so the way it's kind of described of like it was like light and dark intertangled together in my mind whatever that was like oh he doesn't need to be healed so interesting that you guys both saw it as like the madness is still there. Yeah. And I guess because he um, in the last book, he also touched the the true, the true source, source. Right. right. I'm, I'm not sure. Or no, the, dark the, ones. the one power and the true source. He touched the true power. The true. Power. I, yeah. Right. Not the true source. <laughs> okay. So confusing. Yeah, the, the true power. <laughs> and so I wonder like at some point he's like, oh, man, I've already like, yeah, it's, it's that good and evil combined type of thing where he's kind of just mm -hmm. embraced it almost. Um, which no one else has been able to to do. The scene with the Gwen was frustrating to me because this book has a lot of character reconciliations, and this is one that we're like cheering for, like Rand and Gwen. Yeah, let let's have them come together and kind of work things out, and they don't. And it's frustrating that Gwen doesn't believe him because, from the reader perspective, you're like, you know, obviously, like he's got it figured out here, like. Like, do this. And Egwene does a lot of other good things, but she's unable to pull through here. So it's frustrating, but, like, in a good way. I really like it because, I mean, I've really, I've really enjoyed watching Egwene go to the character she is. And now she's, like, the epitome of an Aes Sedai, right? Mm. Just everything that she wanted to be. And there's no way that if she's living up to that, that she's, like, okay with what Rand's doing still. So I feel like it's very true to her character. And I didn't expect anything less from her like it would have been great but there's like i didn't see that going well with him going in there i i think i had more of an experience like steven the first time reading it where i was like oh everything is like everything on the good guy side is resolving we're all coming together we're all about to get unified to fight the dark one and then i was kind of taken aback but i did think it was in line with her character i just think it was it it seemed like obviously this is a moment of uh Egwene's pride you know, coming in and like, I don't know. I think like, she's not able to see Rand for what he really is. And I mean, this is due to like the, the society and culture of like, you're a man who can channel. So I'm going to have to like guide you through this instead of recognizing, um, he actually has more knowledge than her now that, now that he has like knowledge from the age of legends. I love when he goes into that room and I don't remember who it was on the outside, but he tells someone he's like, Hey, when I walk out of here, you're going to have to like, like Egwene's going to be super mad. Right. And I just like love that. Like, he's like, Hey, watch, watch this kind of, and then like, like goes in. I don't know. That was a cool moment for me. I really like that. Yeah. After watching the show, I really like the parallel to the cold open in episode eight, which was a bit of the lore that I, you know, wasn't necessarily familiar with it's it's obvious it's in the books it's a thing but 
Um, there's so much lore that I've probably forgotten that detail included it in the show. And, and back then you see Luz Theron unable to work with the um, Aes Sedai in trying, you know, his original attack against the Dark One. And here you see something very similar in similar circumstances. Yeah, yeah, it is a pretty good parallel there. And I think the one influences the other, right? Like the fact that um, the Hundred Companions like sealed the Dark One imperfectly and caused the taint. Like that was... That's probably a big motivation for Egwene saying, like, uh, yeah, you, we need to think about this. <laughs> it's like, hey, we uh, did this before and it was a fail. So should we do it again? Although she doesn't really listen to him, like, because he's not. I don't know. And it's also like uh, we've done this before, but like you have done this before. And yeah. yeah. Right. Because at this point, it's like, it's, yeah, it's loose there. And... But also that kind of ignores the fact that the reason I mean, I don't know. This is debatable. Um like, did Sidon get tainted because no female Aes Sedai went to help the Hundred Companions? Or if they had gone, would Sidon and Sidar both have been tainted, you know? Maybe, maybe the next book has more answers, but I understood it as if both of them had... This could be wrong. If both of them had gone, they just would have been able to actually imprison him well, so nothing would have been tainted. But the only way he could was to use Sidon in some way that tainted it. That, that was, like, the impressions I got reading through it the first time. Yeah, I don't know if we're. I don't know if it is clear on that. Like, how can we know? Because it was. Yeah, I do think. I think there's a lot more nuance to it than the. Um, speaking of the show prologue, than the show prologue, throws in there. Um, um, I mean, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about Age of Legends in this one, but um, mm-hmm. there's just a lot more desperation and unknowns on both sides for, um, like, what plan would be best. Like it was yeah. more of a what plan would be best, not what plan is the perfect plan yeah it was definitely a more desperate situation than the show prologue made it seem which after kind of like looking to that i was a little disappointed like we saw the whatever city they were in in the age of legends look real nice but like really it should have not looked that nice because things were things were in very dire straits at that time (laughs) all right so the thing with Egwene does not go well but it does go well um in many other parts like uh rand is able to reconcile with with tam that was heartwarming and uh min is pleased with his progress and he kind of straightens things out in tear and straightens things out in bandar iban and comes in and saves them in saldea so uh, you know a lot of wins other than the Egwene thing that when he saves iteralda that that's like when he just comes and like basically all power like it's full yeah. power right and just like yeah, it's just nuke yeah drag dragon ball sees them all <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a really cool scene especially after what was it um book i think the last book and the crossroads of twilight where he had multiple occasions where he just tried to go and use all his power to wipe out like trollocs or the shan chan uh-huh. army and like failed but this time he's able to just do it really cool <laughs> i don't know he's... this was like so much hype now um, yeah i'm like reliving all the hype from it <laughs> yeah he's he's zen rand now so he's got it under control yeah. I, I, like i don't know kitten was there anything from your reading that gave you any like indication as to the reason why he's now having so much more success the plot demands um, it. <laughs> yeah i don't know he's not yeah i got nothing i'm sorry i i I'm take it conflicted yeah I, I take it there's like the confliction isn't there which that was due to his own like mental illness like mental health issues and then on top of the taint and like all that like compounding it 
But even apart from that, now he has like all of Luz Theron's full memories. So he has like right. amazing knowledge of doing things that were like would be considered miracles. And he's not duking age. it out with Luz Theron for control of the power, which yeah. was disastrous several times. Okay. So yeah, really uh really good book for Rand. And then at the end he secures the alliance with all the Borderlanders and he's gathering at the fields of Marilor, I think is the yeah. yeah. Very very Lord of the Rings reminiscent here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then uh, we're ready for the last battle. For for Rand at least. Uh, there, there's several more characters that we need to discuss though. So let's go over to Perrin and honestly I think that Perrin does the most in this book like out of any other character I made the most notes for him he's got the most things happening and he does very well I can see Perrin showing up in our top three very easily I loved Perrin's storyline and like my favorite part of Perrin's storyline and sorry we can start at the beginning and go through the different things but I I love the interaction between him and Egwene in the White Tower during the fight scene with yeah. the Slayer like, that is the peak moment for me in, in Perrin's storyline in this book. Wasn't it that Egwene saw him and was like, wait, is that Perrin? Like, Perrin's here doing stuff? And she didn't even really realize what was going yeah, on. Yeah, and, and then one of the black Aes Sedai shoots Balefire at him, and he just, just is like, no. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, what the heck? Like She's like, how'd you stop Balefire? <laughs> yeah. It's just a weave, Egwene. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so good. Yeah. That honestly that whole scene, I just like how it was written. I like the like how it, it feels like his storyline's been gradual and just like finally mm-hmm. like you get there and then I love the payoff. There's there's really good payoff and the Wheel of Time does this a lot where there's these moments of it's almost like plot miscommunications it, like in general where it's like this character knows this and that character doesn't know that they know this in terms of like relationships but it's more plot heavy with wheel of time like Perrin has become a master of the world of dreams Egwene has become a master of the world of dreams both in different ways and they're both unaware that the other person is doing something similar and so this is a really good mm-hmm. payoff moment when they like like it didn't cause any plot um tension like most of those like miscommunications do but it, as like uh-huh. fans reading you're like finally like they can recognize each other here <laughs> yeah and there were a lot of culminations of Perrin's arc like uh with with the world of dreams with slayer with hopper all of that stuff and then with the white cloaks as well like finally the the white cloak plot is one that really dragged on for me and now we finally have like not a complete resolution but you know the trial is over we're done with Bayar and uh, and Galad is going to serve underneath Perrin as military commander, and Perrin is like the steward of the two rivers. So Perrin, like every, does anything go wrong for him in this book? It's very Just, strong for him. No, but Hopper dying is is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, one kind of sad part, I guess. His line. I didn't even mention the forging of his hammer. With right, a cool scene, and he names it after Hopper. Good. Several good emotional moments uh, in this book. Yeah. The, yeah, the Hopper dying is for sure a low point for him um, compared to the rest of the successes. Especially when, like, you're so used to that, oh, I'll see you in the wolf dream, you know, and now just like that permanent erasure. So the Slayer conflict, Caden, like, that was something that's been, I, I feel, fairly murky throughout the books. Like, there's these hints at this Slayer, Isam guy, and. And 
actually, I'm not even sure. Like, do you fully understand what's going on here with this character yet? Do you know no. who he is fully? I can't remember no. if it's already been revealed. There, there's a little more revealed in the next book, and I won't okay. go into that. But okay. all, all I know from this book is that Morden lends him to Grendel to send after Perrin. So you just know that he's, yeah, following orders from the Forsaken and after Perrin and can enter the world of dreams. Yeah, it's definitely in the next book because the one of the scenes at the very end then ties into more of his yeah. so i think even in the even in the uh the prologue of a memory of light you get yeah a lot more into his his backstory but yeah i've i was always kind of he's he's such like an enigma it's like okay like you're so unique in this world and you can do these things that no one else can but also you're not a hugely important character so uh-huh. it's like why and also when you the more you learn about slayer it's kind of like why? Why are you with Perrin? Like, how did you and Perrin get matched up here? Other than the world of dreams thing, I guess. My one critique of that whole time there is that Slayer gets there and they have the dream spike and they can't escape and they know this for like it feels like three fourths of the book and it's got to be I don't know I I didn't calculate it out but several days right where they're just sitting there open ready to be attacked and it just feels like the trollocs could have attacked a lot sooner but it felt like there was just some waiting around for Perrin to level up and go fight slayer mm-hmm. but and just convenient timing for me and that so that'd be one critique i have of that time that i don't know if that's valid but um other than that i i like the slayer parent interaction there's a lot of convenient timing because Perrin also sees the zen rand thing right he yeah he he sees him in the world of dreams right when that happens am i remembering that right oh he's at is he oh yeah he's at the mount and that's then the that's part of the prologue of this book as well he goes in and he hopper takes him to the mountain and he goes up and he's like watching the fight so you receive rand's conflict in the world of dreams from parents view he's kind of cheering him on i forgot about that that is really cool i like all the crossovers like after books and books of everyone being separated, now we have like finally meeting back up again. It's nice, nice heartwarming moments. Okay, anything else with Perrin? Um, he also he also marries Morgase and Talonvar. Uh, I don't know if we need to discuss those characters at all, though. <laughs> I think that was just a little comic relief. <laughs> yeah, you're it. not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I th- I like the way he his plotline with the white cloaks gets wrapped up. I think it's kind of convoluted with the trial. But I liked it. I, I I liked it because I feel like Perrin needed that type of closure. Like he's the type of person who would need like this officially closed out in order to kind of get over it on his own side. Okay, let's go back to Egwene. We started with Egwene, but uh, there is more to her plotline. So other than the Rand thing, the majority of it revolved around trying to find out who was committing the murders in the tower and setting this trap for Masana and dealing with Gowan, who was trying to help but being very annoying in a gowan uh, a classic uh, gowan fashion i mean didn't he didn't he prove his worth here though like he didn't he prove he that he should like disobey her at times in order to be her warder yeah that's fair and and he finally forgives rand like he meets up with elaine and figures it out and so yeah maybe ding is gowan making it to our top three everyone everyone in the community <laughs> hates on gowan so much 
and he is his character is such a good addition to the world in my opinion he makes dumb choices but a lot of characters do based off of like similar like misinformation that goes on and i don't know especially especially in this moment i feel like he he needs a little more people need to recognize that he's vindicated in saving Egwene the way he does <laughs> i really liked i thought i thought yeah i liked his whole story i still wouldn't put him in my top three though yeah he's definitely not the top three <laughs> for that one moment no <laughs> maybe if this happened in another book but there's so many choices in this one. right yeah yeah maybe right. if it yeah so why do we why do we dislike Gowan so much? Is it just because we love Egwene so much and we're like Egwene is a ten and Gowan is a five? And how does this work? I don't know. Why why don't you like uh Gowan, Kaden? I feel like I've gone back and forth through the whole series where at the beginning I liked Gowan and hated Galad, and then there was some point in the middle where I swapped and I was like, Man, I actually like Galad and I don't like Gowan. And I think it's because he kind of is like throws little tantrums where like getting into so when he first show, he leaves the younglings right and he comes over this is in the last book i think um to like find Egwene at the tower he like uh-huh. picks a fight and garth Brynn's like dude you're acting like a teenager right and i don't know just like stuff that he, he's, he's very entitled i think so that kind of personality i think puts me off to him um and i think it's kind of supposed to i don't i don't yeah yeah i think it's all um, intentional like i think yeah. and like you're saying i think robert jordan meant to start it with Galad is seen as you are the inflexible like like person that we don't like whereas Gawain is the more reasonable one in turn because he follow he listens to his heart more um I saw this analysis I can't remember honestly I don't know where I saw this but they're they're both like opposites of the same coin like Gawain doesn't listen to his internal moral compass or Galad doesn't he's only listening to like the rigid structure of the laws around him and he has to learn to um, kind of adapt from that. Whereas Gowan is like the opposite. He has so he is only listening to himself. But when you're only listening to yourself, like what you believe is true or right changes all the time. Mm-hmm. So he he's like kind of uh, directionless for a lot of it because he doesn't have that outside uh, source of telling him what he should or shouldn't be doing. And and I think it's also supposed to be kind of a subversion of those archetypes were generally, you know, the more inflexible black and white character you would dislike because people aren't really like that. And so I think it's really cool how they made Gowan to be this example of, well, this is how bad things can be if you don't have some sort of structure there. And I don't know. And he just adds, he adds a lot to it. I don't really understand why him and Egwene love each other so much other than that dream, shared dream thing. But (laughs) that's my thing. Probably because, I mean, I, I probably have a huge crush on Gawain. And I'm like, come on, I, I could do better. <laughs> Gowan, I could I could take Gowan. Come on. Like all true Wheel of Time romances, it goes from first sight to marriage real quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a good example uh, in this. Another good example uh, later I would on say that's an example of the opposite, but. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Once we get there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about gowan's sister um another example of an entitled brat character Uh, (laughs) and probably the main character who has the least good performance once again is elaine although she does secure the the throne of carrion uh but uh, what else does she like she makes the the fox head copies that save matt ultimately so maybe i shouldn't say she does nothing good 
but she's once again impulsive and reckless and makes some bad decisions. She, yeah, I, I mean, I thought the reunion with her mom was cool with Morghese. Yeah, I guess she doesn't really do that much. Creating the Fox and Medallions is like not a lot of screen time, but like you said, has a big effect. But other than that, yeah, I think I think her her interactions with Matt are probably her most important things. Making the medallions and then contracting um, the band of the Red Hand in order and, to and make I the guess, dragons. I guess the main thing that I'm referring to is the whole like impulsive thing where she's like, okay, I'm gonna interrogate the Black Aja, and it goes terribly oh. because. Uh, What's his face? Uh, starts with an her her guard, right? Or yeah, gu- quote unquote the, guard comes the in. The guy and, that she was making everyone believe was um, was the father of her children. What's that dude's name? Uh, I don't remember. All right, let us know in the comments what his name is. <laughs> Does it start with an M? I thought it started with like a C, but I could be wrong. It's it is an M. It is an M. Yeah. This is the the book where she basically realizes men says I'm gonna have twins. The twins are going to be healthy, so I'm just going to do whatever, right? Is that this book? Yeah. I think, was that this yeah. book? Or she was well, acting like it's that been before. Both. It's been both because she in the last book, right? She goes in the night to. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Of. Okay, yeah, that was the but last book. She quotes the exact same thing right before she jumps into the dungeons to interrogate him. Says the same thing, and yeah, Brigitte is like. Just because you're or their kids are okay doesn't mean you're okay. It's... Or the other people around you, yeah, yeah, like might need to save you. And yeah. like, like that's what happened in the last book, right? Right. And two eyes to die ended up dying. Yeah, yeah. She gets uh, dragons spilt, and by dragons we mean. Do you, Do you think that's a win for Elaine though, or for Matt? Yeah, it's, like... oh, we'll we'll give it to Matt. Okay. I think I think it's a very mutual win there. Like both sides when she gets uh, an amazing army you know and like access to the technology right and then matt gets to create something he's always wanted to create <laughs> i mean i guess I, when i talk about wins i'm meaning as an effort given by the character for the outcome and i feel like it kind of fell into elaine's lap where matt did all the hard work yeah matt okay. does the work elaine okay. writes the check elaine but, yeah elaine more saw an opportunity and right. took advantage of it where matt like we're not like planned the opportunity basically yeah. yeah okay and she's going to need them because unfortunately varen's letter didn't make it in time and now the book ends with camelin like all the trollocs going through ways and camelin is i was very frustrated in that moment that matt had so much distrust of Aes Sedai because you're like yeah. varen died she like gave her a whole life for like all these letters uh-huh. she's leaving around and you didn't read it and i was really upset well wasn't it also like the way Varen uh, presented the letter to him was in a weird way, yeah. Because she thought she thought if I told him just to read it, he wouldn't read it, right, or something like that. She, try, she tried to make it like his curiosity, right? Yeah, but it's so I, I don't think you can fault Matt a hundred percent for that. That right. was more just a, a misplay on Varen's part. Yeah, I guess I'm not faulting Matt. I'm just like as a reader, I was very frustrated because I was like, oh yeah. man, like. I was more sad that Baird's sacrifice didn't pay. Didn't, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm making this connection, but I'm getting like similar frustration vibes in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix when Harry has the mirror, but he never uses the mirror and it could have saved Sirius, but he didn't want it. Like obviously different reasons because he didn't want to put Sirius at risk by doing that. But I remember at the end of that book, like, oh my gosh, he had the mirror. He could have, he could have saved him the whole, or like he didn't need to go through the fire and have the whole thing happen. Spoilers for Harry. No, Potter. he did. He did use the mirror. 
No, he doesn't. He he goes through Umbridge's. He gets through Umbridge's office, oh. right? Goes through the fire. Creatures there. Creature Creature's lies there. to him. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking creature talked to him through the mirror, but no. Yeah. Why yeah. didn't he use the mirror? Because he didn't want to pull Sirius, and he forgot about it. He like swore oh. he would never use it because he didn't want to get serious. Oh right. Very frustrating. Harry Potter wheel time crossover. As a teenage boy, I was over this yeah. at the end of Order of the Phoenix for the first time. <laughs> yeah. those, those are the feelings I, I was having. It was very, yeah. very similar. It's kind of sad that uh, Elaine like um, gets carrion. I don't know how to say that in like a political way. <laughs> she just gets it, I guess. Um, and But then turn around and then Camelin is destroyed, basically. Well, so. maybe there's hope. We'll see what happens. It's looking bleak. Okay. Uh, let's go to Matt then. We haven't, we, we've talked around Matt a little bit. So the thing we, we didn't discuss was the golem thing. The golem plot line finally resolves. This is another one that's been dogging at Matt. Similar to, you know, like a Slayer dogging at Perrin, although that one's not fully resolved. But now Matt has finally defeated the golem and tossed it into eternal torments. And I thought that was a nice fitting end. I'll give Elaine a win here in this situation. Not that she was the one who did it, but she's like playing the kin off the other Aes Sedai a little bit and creating her own faction. And it was them who made the skimming gateway that the Golem went into. So after we just trashed Elaine for like five minutes, I'll give her like a slight win here. Okay. She's, I I think she's a really frustrating character. Like the same, the same way Gowan is a really frustrating character. Um, But I think... Um, it's really cool how how well she's written to where she can be that frustrating and annoying at times, but then like you recognize like the really intelligent like outmaneuvering she does, like the politicking and stuff like that. Do you think this uh the way they get rid of the golem, do you think that's a Sanderson invention? Or do I you was think gonna that's say a... I was literally about to ask you guys the same we're on the same page here, Jake. Well this I when when I was getting ready for this episode, I was like, I guarantee Steven's gonna say this is definitely Sanderson's influence here. Oh, really? And I'm gonna be like, I don't know. I don't know how much of it is. Like the there are other things that for sure are, especially in the last book, that I'm like, okay, that is like Sanderson. It's, be, it's because sure. I've hinted at that other thing in the last book, huh? Maybe that's why I've, yeah, I've yeah. hinted at that too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we but, won't uh, we won't talk about that yet. We'll we'll leave that one till our finale episode. But but what do you think, Caden? Did this seem like? I guess you haven't really read a ton of Brandon Sanderson, huh? I I read almost everything. I think. Oh, have yeah. you? Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. It's because it's like a creative way to solve this problem, you know, which yeah. Sanderson is really good at. But I do and think Robert it was kind Jordan of foreshadowed. <laughs> I think it was foreshadowed earlier on. Okay. It could have been, but also it could have been... It could have just... It could have just yeah. been something that happened and Sanderson was like, oh, this is a possibility. So yeah. incorporated into it. I mean, I think that's one yeah. of the best things, the strongest writing of Sanderson's is he sets up the rules and the world and stuff and he gets you as the reader to buy into it. And then he's like, okay, what if we do this actually? And we're like kind of bending the rules and or we apply it in this different way. So... To answer your question, Jake, yes, I, I think this was a Sanderson thing, but I could be wrong. Like, I, I totally yeah. could be wrong. I, I'm like 50-50. I don't know one way or the other. I'd say for Robert Jordan, possibly writing it, is there has been no, like, earlier on in the series, right, the falling for forever has been mentioned several times, like you are saying, like foreshadowing, right? But there's been no other payoff for that, like, at least that I've read so far, right, of someone falling 
for forever, at least that I can think of. So it is something that's introduced, and this is the only time it's really made use of. I mean, there's that time when they're all skimming to... He was with a bunch of maidens of the spear, and... Someone falls off. Oh, does someone someone fall off? off. I'm pretty sure someone falls off. I could be combining, okay. mixing this up with what, uh, the one of the maidens that gets taken at Shatter Logoth, though. If that's true, I take back everything I just said. I, pre- I thought there was, and that was the foreshadowing thing I was thinking of. I could be wrong, oh, okay. but um, but they, anyways, they set it up as like a you will fall forever. But yeah. I'm I'm fifty fifty. I don't know. I'd like to get some definitive proof. The only thing that makes me lean more in the middle instead of towards Sanderson is because of things that happen in the last book that are so clearly that feel so clearly Sanderson that uh-huh. this one is a little iffy for me. I'm excited to discuss that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I am. This is a perfect time for the GIF of Loki falling for forever in that one Avengers movie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Through the, the Dr. Strange portal. That's, they all kind of blend uh, together. That's uh, the third Thor movie. Rag, okay. The Ragnarok. Yeah. Good movie. Um, Good movie. I guess we didn't actually. I don't even know if we said what happened. They they corralled the golem into a skimming gateway, and he falls forever. Like that's. Yeah, I guess we were just kind of talking around that. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the other the other exciting Matt thing is obviously the Tower of Genji, another thing that has been in the works for a while, although really like very much in the background. And this is one of my favorite moments in the whole series. I'm gonna say. Same. Just because of how like alien it feels and so uh-huh. like it's like so creepy and also the Tower of Genji, speaking of foreshadowing again, is in the, the very first book. True. It's in lots yes, of them, right? Lots of them. It is, to, yeah, but it goes like goes all yeah. the way back to the beginning. As well as the wait, is the light is the half the light of the world thing? Is that from the first book? I'm not honestly I no, think no, it, no, I no, think no. That, might, that's that's from when Matt so. goes in. The previous time. yeah but men sees the scale the eye on the men, scale. men the yeah i think scale. men seeing the scale is a, yeah. that could be in the first book as well yeah guys i was so wrong about my predictions back in book two or whatever i what did I you say losing half the, i don't know i thought i had to do i'm pretty sure i like was i predicted that like matt would have to kill either parrot or or rand mm. like i mean through, through two books that's not a bad predict like this is a hard thing to predict <laughs> especially where, where matt was at true. at that point in the series <laughs> yeah it's, it's yes. true but, no i thought it was really cool i like this is my single favorite prophecy payoff by far i can't remember did you say you thought moraine would be dead when they went in there no i thought moraine was coming back you thought she'd i back. still back in book six i mean yeah right I was like, Moraine's alive. There's no way she's... No. Especially once Rosamund Pike was cast to play her in the show. <laughs> Definitely helps. <laughs> Wait a second. Is this is this a Ned Stark situation? Or, nah, Wheel of Time's a little bit different Thrones. <laughs> my, my only cr- criticism of this part is I wish it lasted a bit longer. Like, I wish there was more... I wish there was more of them dealing with the rules of the place. Mm. And, like, more of that. Whereas what we got was much more frantic and just, like okay we prepped ourselves with these rules but as soon as we got in there it was like screw it it's just like a free-for-all see i mean seems kind of realistic but would yeah i just happen but yeah i, I agree I just wanted more <laughs> yeah it's fun it's fun you want to be there i well we finally figured out who noel or no no is it noel is that his yeah no this one is noel like, the other guy is noam oh yeah okay there we go yeah. so noel i felt really dumb that like the foreshadowing for that was like so obvious looking back at like who he Same. was 
And <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, man, it feels like all the other reveals have been so obvious, though, that I'm like, this guy has to be, like, when you first meet him, I'm like, this guy has to be, like, a Forsaken, right? Because everyone else that's, like, a mystery is, like, a Forsaken, right? And so yeah. I feel like <laughs> yeah. Robert Jordan pulled one over on me because all the other reveals were, like, more obvious that I was like, I missed this. Yeah, I thought he was going to, like... I thought he was going to betray them in the tower yeah. the first time Same. I was reading it. Mm. Yeah. And he did the exact opposite. <laughs> I've been like waiting I... like four books for him to betray him, right? Like ever since he's yeah. coming into the series, I'm like, this guy's no good. Because but... he he first appears like right after, right the, after the book where they fight the golem for the first time, yeah. right? Like, yeah. And he's like, he has all this knowledge, but he's kind of, yeah, which makes he, like, sense. He watches Matt fight off the golem. And yeah, like yeah. right after he fights off, he's like, "Oh hey," and you're like, "Dude, what were you doing? And why are you right there right now?" Right? Yeah, I really liked how Matt almost screwed it up. That was like totally Matt. His luck prevails. He's planning on the fly. Things are working out, but then he doesn't take into account all the details and almost screws everything up. And uh, once again, another case his butt. Yeah. So, uh, so here's a question: um, What towers is the book named after? And is it the two towers in the Elfin and the Eelfin? Or there's like... No, the towers of Midnight are the Shanchan towers. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was... Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's referenced in the Shanchan... Is it part of the Shanchan prophecy for the last battle or something? Something like that. Like, yeah, I, I don't, don't remember. So they're it's mentioned in the prophecy about Perrin. And then they're also the Shanchan towers. Then you have the Elfin and the Eelfin. And then... Egwene also has a dream about towers and like 13 towers and kind of like mm. hinting at the Forsaken. So this is kind of Robert like Jordan... how no one, no one really knows what two towers uh, to- uh, Tolkien was referring oh. to. <laughs> oh, we know. I mean, we, we do know, but like your average reader or watcher of the show would assume that it's Orthanc and um, what what's the name of the other tower? Isengard? Uh, no, Baradur. What is it? Wouldn't it be Isengard and No, Orthanc is in. Orthanc, isn't Orthanc the Isengard tower? I don't know. I'm thinking it's Saruman's tower and Sauron's tower. Yeah, those are the towers. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to come up with the actual <laughs> names. Which Isengard. I may, I may have just done incorrectly. Isengard is a name for Saruman's tower because the hobbits are going to Isengard. Okay, but it's also like the area. I think the name of the tower is Or. I'm like fairly it confident. It anyway, be. it's actually not. It's it's Minas Morgul that the like that's the tower that Tolkien was. Minas Morgul and 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 Orthanc and Isengard and Isengard. I really hope Orthanc is the name now because otherwise I look like a massive <laughs> idiot right now. <laughs> so Minas Morgul is the tower of the Witch it's King's the, Keep. Yeah, it's the Shelob Tower. Oh right, because that happens at the end. Yeah, yeah. Those are the those are the towers in the book. Yeah, but people who've especially people who've just seen the movie would assume because they move Shelob to book to uh, movie three. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, that's that's a sidetrack. Yeah. But uh, similarly, <laughs> we're confused about the Towers of Midnight. And honestly, like, if I have any criticisms for this book, I feel like the title could have like tied into the actual story of what happened more because the Towers of Midnight are like such like not important at all to the plot of this book. Yeah, especially when you have a tower that is really plot important to the book. Yeah, but. I- I was just reading on the uh, wiki, and it's because there are 13 towers in the Towers of Midnight, and it's book 13, and then also due to what you're saying, like the prophecy regarding Towers of Midnight okay. and uh, Perrin. I'm secretly hoping, though, that uh, Robert Jordan really meant it for like a lot of different things, because... 
Well, Sanderson came up with or Sanderson oh, right, team right, did. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because that was after, and he had only had one book. Never this mind. was all supposed Sanderson to be then. a memory of light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sanderson screwing yeah. up, screwing up the wheel of time for us. <laughs> once you get past, uh, honestly, yeah. Once you get past book four, all the titles to me are just like, like they're all like quotes from the prophecies yeah, or something. Just and random so it's stuff, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like the knife the knife of dreams too right there's like one scene with the knife of dreams and it has no like relevance to that book at all but there's like a poem well, a about bit. a knife of yeah. dreams or something i guess right. lord of chaos made actual sense because yeah. the whole let the lord of chaos rule but uh winter's crossroads heart of t- kind of <laughs> yeah winter's heart and crossroads of twilight like the most ambiguous title that means nothing at all yeah path of dagger crown of swords that may that made sense too, I guess, because yeah. he gets the crown at the end. But right, but they're they're all like part of quotes where I'm just like, okay, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, even a memory of light. Although they're they're mostly, I guess, we'll say a lot of them are thematic. Yeah. All right. Uh, where were we in all this? Uh, Tom oh, and Moraine. That's yeah, where Moraine. We're at. Moraine is rescued, and Tom. Oh right, loves her. right. I forgot about this. How is yeah. this for you, Caden? First time. Is this blindsided. Probably ninety nine percent of the Wheel of Time community. Is this like Sanderson, like throwing a jab at Robert Jordan a little bit when he's like, "Oh yeah, they all have these quick marriages," and then Matt's like, "How did I miss this?" And totally says out loud what you're thinking, and Tom's like, "You missed all the subtle cues." Is that? I think I think Matt saying, "How did I miss this?" was Sanderson inserting himself because this was. This was written, like, this was plotted by Robert Jordan. I do think upon a reread, there are lots of moments that knowing that's the outcome, you can see, okay, here's some hints towards that, especially at the beginning of book four. I was going to say, like, just referring back to what we talked about earlier, this is one of those instances where I don't think the romance, they meet, they fall in love right away, and then they want to get married. This one is more realistic where they meet. They have like a mutual respect for each other and you know, they really like the feelings start to grow and they never really get a chance to act on them, but those feelings still grow instead of just throwing everything right at the beginning. Okay. I think that Egwene <laughs> had a have a bigger time actually developing their relationship than Tom and Moraine do because of like Egwene and, Ga- oh, and Gowan. Yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah, sorry, Gowan, yeah. my bad. Egwene and Gowan shared a passionate dream bubble no there's the time when they're in they're in kyrian i think right and she's like goes to see him every day but that's after sharing the dream bubble like that's what sparked their theirs is all hormonal passion whereas tom and moraine is more purely intellectual not just purely intellectual (laughs) but they're mature people they're they're falling for the person perrin Mm. perrin and fail there's i don't really know rand i just chalk it up to prophecy you know he didn't have a choice in the matter so is there a good romance Rand, in the rand and min series? and rand and avienda they have some respect for each other rand and uh, rand and elaine very much rand, rand and avienda is is probably the best progressing relationship i really like rand and min's relationship but also it was one of those she realized i'm in love with him didn't see him for forever and then saw him again and then like they're together whereas avienda had a bigger a better they're growth like, to it they're like uh, a whole book of banter what about uh Berlin and, and galad right another 
Just two, really one, hot, just two really hot yeah, people. That one makes perfect sense. They saw each other and realized how beautiful children they would have. And they were like, we got to do this. Like, for the sake of humanity. <laughs> I think it's funny how you said, Jake, 99% of the Wheel of Time community confused slash, like, doesn't understand the Moraine Tom thing until maybe a reread. But I think it's funny how outraged people were after episode six of the show when it was like, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. Moraine and Swan are together. What do you, what does this mean about Moraine and Tom? What does this mean about Swan and Gareth Brynn? As if all of a sudden people are like huge fans of these relationships that like no one really cares about until they're gone. To be fair, I think, I feel like Swan and Gareth Brynn's relationship is pretty good. And I think more people like that one. But yeah, the Moraine oh. and Tom, like it saddens me, but like they could just cut it. You know, it wouldn't. It wouldn't do anything, really. They could also. It could also still happen, like in the show. No, yeah, it, it could. Yeah. I'm trying to think like how it would. Like you would need to have. Yeah, it could still happen. It could still happen. Anyway, that's a uh, whole other conversation. No, yeah. E- either ways, either way, they could happen. But yeah, it is funny that like people generally are not a huge fan of the Moraine and Tom romance, but then people were mad that it seemingly was cut from the show. It's like, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Last last couple things, then we're doing top and bottom three. Okay, Lan and Nynaeve, let's do them together. Uh, both of them have just a few tidbits, but it's mostly positive. Nynaeve gets the shawl. She goes through her test, which is, uh, which is traumatic, to say the least. And then she gets Lan's bond. And, uh, oh, she believes Rand and agrees to help him. That's important. And then Lan goes off and goes on his death ride and raises his army and that's how we started the show. So obviously we were big fans of that moment and it ends with him riding off into the gap. Speaking of good, or speaking of romances, or Lan and Nynaeve. How did we not mention that in terms of romances? Yeah. <laughs> I really like how uh, Nynaeve continues breaking ground with healing. We, she already did one thing that, you know, people thought was irreversible and then healing the madness. I don't know. That's a huge win for her character. Sure. Sure. And getting Lance Bond. Huge win. About time. <laughs> yeah. Do people like really like Lan's storyline through this book? Because when I like those are the most inspirational, like, man, the final battle's coming, let's go type uh-huh. moments for me reading Lan's like charging to Tarwin's gap. And so I, think... I but I could see people not liking it, but like those are one of my favorite parts of the book. From my perspective, people love it. Okay. From what I've seen. Like Hearing like if you comment on some post about Lan on Reddit, and if your comment is like, like I fly with the crane of the golden crane or whatever, I can't remember what the quote oh. is here, but like yeah, okay, okay, people yeah. go crazy for it. <laughs> I really hope my dad keeps on reading and gets to this point because he loves Lan. He loves like the reluctant tough guy characters that do the cool thing, and like this is this is. All right, so then other than these guys, uh, Avienda, we said her name previously, and uh, she has one of the more interesting couple chapters where she sees the future of the Aiel, and she meets with the mysterious Nakomi person. And uh, yeah, I don't know, like, what do you make of this, Caden? Because this is, like, we're still doing more uh, lore and, and prophecy stuff here at the yeah, once again, random character who you don't know who it is, and I'm like, man, it's got to be a Forsaken, right? Sure. But doesn't doesn't kill Avienda and seems to not do any harm either. So I'm trying to. I have no idea who this Nakomi person is. That's a that's a fair take. I don't really know, but uh, 
what about the future of the IL? This is I, this is kind of haunting. I like it. I uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna be slightly disappointed if the book just like ends 100% happy. Um, the whole series. Like I feel like if we're in a war with the shadow, like bad things need to happen. Um, mm. So if every character makes it 100% out alive and like that's the whole world is 100% resolved like i'll i'll be slightly disappointed i think um i mean i hope they win and you know like i'm sure there's a great ending and i want that but so i think it's i think it's good to have like this hey you know things not all like might not all be 100% and this is interesting because it's like this future where they do win against the shadow but like they haven't come together enough so then there's still this conflict with the shan chan I think that's really interesting because that's one of the bigger themes of the book, you know, lack of respect and, and communication amongst mankind. And so they beat the shadow, but they still have this other thing that never got figured out. And it's ultimately of the Aeol. And who knows, like the rest of the world is not mm-hmm. doing great, even though we've won the big thing. As much as this series is more one of those with like, you have absolute evil versus like good, you know, like classic good versus evil compared to like Game of Thrones, which is more gray. Um, it really does emphasize the like that same thing. Even if you vanquish the absolute evil, you still have to deal with yourselves and all the confidence there. Like that doesn't mean at the end of the day everything's going to be perfect. I don't think so. My my prediction is that they do change that future somewhat. That it doesn't end up being the same. But I still think. I mean, there's, there's the prophecies of Rand like being the destruction of the Aeol people. I still think. There will be, it just won't be as drastic as what the prophecies are showing. That'd be my prediction. We'll see what happens. Okay, uh, final thing is the Black Tower and the Shadow. Uh, things are not going well in the Black Tower. We get a new character named Andral, who's kind of our uh, POV into that. Taim is fully taken over. Loghain is gone. And I feel like every time, Caden, we ask you, like, what's the deal with Taim? How evil is he? Uh, and he's pretty evil at this point because they are, like, grabbing people and doing nasty things to them yeah at this point there's no no question taim is and yeah he's, he's no longer he's, on the elida or elida side of the yeah the right. spectrum <laughs> yeah i think we've known that for a few books but we just didn't know what he was doing mm-hmm. or what he was up to it's such a creepy moment like like the the ritual with the merge all and does that happen in this book or it sh- it like talks You're... about it doesn't it it's hinted like, at. It's not, you don't it's not, see any of the ritual. No, you don't see show, it. But like you know, but, you know, people are being turned to the shadow, and you know, yeah, merge right, all are yeah. going in and out, and yeah, that's yeah, yeah, like yeah. they're needed for that, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> anything else? I, I feel like we're ready for doing our uh, top and bottom three quickly. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Now's the time. Uh, okay, Jake. You ready for uh, a top? Yeah. Three? Yeah, top three. Um, first, I'm going to do Matt, Perrin, and then Rand. <laughs> Man, too easy. <laughs> I know, too easy, right? They they all had pretty good books. Um, I I mean, Perrin gets to craft his uh, new hammer, and he gets all the like resolutions of his plot lines. Um, major win um, against Slayer, and then Matt defeats not only defeats the Golem. But completes his quest to save Moraine and um, comes out scarred, but not debilitatingly so, you know? And uh, and then Rand is just, 
he's just so cool. I love him in this state where he's still his stubborn self, but he is like so at peace with himself at the same time. Mm-hmm. And just his like huge show of power saving it Geraldo was so cool. Caden. I'm trying really hard here to find Come a different some top takes. three. <laughs> Don't worry, I have one. <laughs> okay, that's good. So I'll I'll start with Perrin, though, because he has to be my number one, because I'd feel sad if I didn't choose for all the reasons we've already uh, talked about. Let's see. Number two, I'm going to go with, uh, for, for someone different, I'm going to go with Noel, because he's really awesome and gives his life for them to escape the Tower of Genji. Um, and now that I know who he is, he's like even cooler. And so, and then number three, I'm gonna go with uh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with Rand on it because I haven't put Rand in the top three in at least like seven books. So but he finally deserves it. He finally deserves it, and for saving everyone in Saldea and just like again going in and facing up to Egwene was honestly cooler than even saving Saldea. So. That's what I put all right, right there. I'm going with three characters that all had romantic advances in this book. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, number three, I'm going with, and I'm trying to think of like who had the top three in terms of like who went from 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 point A to point B from beginning to end of the book, like who 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 progressed the furthest, who had the best book. So I'm going to start with Nynaeve, who was able to advance to Aes Sedai and get Lance Bond, which wanted for a while. And uh, things are working out pretty well for her. I also like that she believes Rand and is on his side because that was a, a thing that Egwene was not able to do that. Number two, I'm going with Galad, who gets the hot girl and who finally has <laughs> some, like, you know, inner peace or, like, some absolution as to, like, what he's going to do. Like, he's got some some purpose now. Like, I, you know, he had that a little bit leading the White Cloaks. But now Talking he's got... to Morghese really helped with that, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said, this has been a conflicted character for a while, and I feel like he's kind of found something now. And then number one, uh, who was I going to say? Oh, uh, I'm going to say Moraine. I don't even know if I believe that or not. But, uh, you know, <laughs> she she escapes. Like, obviously, she was in a very bad situation into a much better one with some power, although it's been shriveled away. But she has the Ongrail, and uh, and she's got a, a new warder. And, you know, Tom is a Tom's a nice man to have around. Not Not, not bad for her. Nice. All right, bottom three. three. Um, I'm going to say Masana, the Golem, and Slayer. Those are my bottom three. Bad book for the Shadow. Bad book for the Shadow. We'll see if they can uh, even it up, tie it up in the next book. Caden's cheering for that. He, he's a big fan of the Shadow, it sounds like. It's just like, it can't be too one-sided here, right? The whole it's right, an epic right. battle, right? Like. <laughs> Caden I'm so is a, excited for you to finish. Caden is a dark friend. Caden is a dark friend, confirmed. <laughs> Find a dragon's fang on your door. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for Rand to die, apparently. Who are your bottom um, three, Caden? I'm assuming you're going to choose three champions of the light here. Yeah, exactly. I'll start with uh, Rand and then, no. Um, I will also choose three people, but different than Jake. Uh, so, Grendel. Yeah, because she just yeah did nothing she wanted to do. Yeah. And then Child Bayar is... Oh, nice. Bayar. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Good on Bornhold, by the way. Kind of following in his father's footsteps a little bit. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see Bayar at all in the show. Seems like they've recreated the Valda character to kind of fill that fanatic role. Yeah. And then uh, number three... Ooh. 
Um, I'm gonna go with man. There's no one, no one left here. Uh, okay, I, yeah, I'm gonna put Galad in my bottom three. Not a fan of it because he's stuck with Barreling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the exact exact yeah. reason you, you uh... <laughs> that and like I I just feel like that whole like it took him a long time to come around. And they were going to totally get wiped by the Trollocs, which isn't their fault, but um, just felt like they were a little lost through that whole time when he was leading them. Um, which was not his fault, because Tavirin and Perrin was pulling him there. I don't really have a bottom three. I'm going to be... I, I don't know. Like, everyone did really well. You guys kind of took the ones. So it was just, more minor characters. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to yeah. say you guys took the yeah. the six eligible contestants, and uh, I I agree. Next book, there will be plenty of good and bad performance <laughs> yeah they will man how far are you in memory of light right now i am like 40 percent of the way through it so so about to start never mind <laughs> i'm pretty sure like the last battle started on like the second chapter so yeah. I mean, it, it starts pretty quick i've been bouncing from battle to battle i feel like the whole the whole book yeah. it's really good i i really like it it's yeah yeah yeah, uh, I'm assuming that you'll be reading that one pretty quickly because it's pretty hard. Yeah, I think I've been reading it for like four days and I'm already, yeah. I'm like waiting to hit like the last like, I'm going to just read like the last 30% all in one go. Let's finish it out. So what are you reading next? Are you are you going to do New Spring? I I do need to finish New Spring off. I got it for Christmas. So I'm ready to go. Um, it's such a short read compared yeah. to the other one. <laughs> compared to Memory of Light, for sure. <laughs> I uh, I texted Steven this week because I have four Audible credits to burn. And, yeah, I'm, I'm about to go through, like, post-Wheel of Time depression. Yeah, it's tough. Been... It's a thing. It's, it's very tough. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking for new series. I have a couple series I need to finish out that I'll... I, ha- I have some books, but no, nothing big. No big series waiting for me. Caden, honestly, you might be... A... Of everyone on Phantology, you might read the most in in, in a year. <laughs> you guys have the hard work you, of a. You read all the Dresden books last I year. I did. That definitely boosted my stats. Last year, I read like I think I ended out on forty five books last year. Yeah, that's uh, a ton. That's but be twenty of them me. were Dresden. So. And do I need to read Dresden? Wait, you haven't read it, Jake? I read oh, the first. He, he I read has a the bad first attitude. Two. He has a bad attitude. I read the I read the first two and just didn't you gotta didn't like it you gotta make it through i mean not that but i enjoyed books like one through i don't know everyone was it one through four that's kind of it's a little rough but the further you get the better it gets it's all right you said we'll uh, you you had a lot of books in uh, in our episode previewing what we're gonna read in 2022 you had a lot of books i don't i don't think you need to add dresden to your year don't yeah. put that pressure on yourself it's okay uh, you can get to it eventually. yeah gotta finish memories of ice by the end of the year right <laughs> end of the month we're committed to reading that by the end of january okay uh thanks for tuning in to another wheel of time episode and cheer on caden from wherever you are as he as he flies with the golden crane into the last battle yeah (laughs) see you at the end see you guys see you